0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swann and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You've been here. We're on our fifth week of a series called Hand-Me-Downs. And again, we're going to add to it a little bit today biblically to help you. Once you get your Bible, go with me to the book of Daniel chapter 9. Speaking on this, I, I really want everybody in here needs to really listen because we all deal with generational stuff. But if you're really young in here, this is one of the things that I, I wish I would understood these when I was a young man. Just to really begin, it will help me because when you deal with iniquities, you start falling into a pattern or behavior or tendency that you almost have the thought, where did that come from? And so, again, that's why we're teaching this to set you free. We'll show you a video here in a little bit that I believe will help every one of us. So we begin in the book of Daniel, chapter number 9. I'll give you just a second to get there. Let me tell you what's going on here in Daniel, chapter 9. The, the nation that Daniel's living in, the city that he's living in, the people he's around have gotten so far away from the things of God that it seems like everything is crumbling, kind of like America. And so you begin to hear a, a man's petitions to God. Now, it's interesting that God made some promises to Daniel, but even though God made some promises, Daniel didn't sit back and say, well, God promised these, so they're just going to happen. No, Daniel began to take action, and that's one of the reasons we teach on this you're going to have to learn to take some action. So Daniel chapter 9, verse number 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarus of the image of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, God had made a promise for these 70 years of of destruction away from him. And Daniel begins to plead with God about the promised return of the Israelites to come back to the land that God had given them. This is what this is talking about in a nutshell. Verse 3. Then I set my face before the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication, With fasting, with sackcloth, and ashes. So this guy, his his life, everything's in a mess. But he begins to pray with petitions and he's fasting. And, And when you see the word sackcloth and ashes in the Old Testament, it was a sign of repentance. And so Daniel, again, he doesn't just sit around. He begins to take action. Actually becomes a doer of the word. Verse number four. And he said, I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession. Now, if you take Jesus out of the equation completely, because Jesus was like no man. There's none ever even close to him. But outside of Jesus, Daniel may have been one of the most righteous men to ever live. And even with that statement right there, here's this righteous man who begins to confess his own sin? He begins to make confession here. And you know, as human beings, oftentimes it's, it's easier to blame other people while excusing my own actions. But here, this great man of God begins to make confession. Keep reading in verse 4. And he said, O Lord, great and awesome God who keeps His covenant and mercy with those who love Him and with those who keep His commandments. Now, God's not a covenant breaker, okay? When God makes His promises of covenant, He keeps them. And so Daniel right there, he gives us two two great insights. God keeps His covenant to those who love Him. The way I show God I love Him is by the way I obey Him. John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. So through the man Daniel here, he's saying here, man, if you love me, obey me. Now, as I read that last part of verse 4, you may have said that sounds kind of familiar. Where have we heard that? Well, actually, the very first week that we talked about these hand-me-downs, we quoted in the the Ten Commandments section of Exodus 20, verse 6, And it says that God shows mercy and kindness to those who love him and keep his commandments. So we see the man of God, Daniel. He now quotes Exodus 20, verse 6. And he understood God's a God of love and God's a God of mercy to those who obey him. But if we were to read Exodus 20, verse 5, it says this. That he visits... The iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. So now we get back over to the the generational iniquities. And remember our definition of iniquities are to bend or twist toward a certain habit, a certain pattern in your life that is not godly, okay? Now when we talk about these iniquities... These iniquities begin to change your identity. You begin to change who you think you really are. They become a stronghold in your mind. And so literally when I begin to live by these iniquities, it steals from me what God intended you to be. Actually, it will will steal the very dreams that God has for your life. And so it's interesting in this passage that he gets over on this. Verse 5. We have sinned and we have committed iniquities. Yeah, we have. We have done wickedly and we've rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Here's the cause right here. We get away from obeying God we scorn and we laugh and we ridicule the commandments of God and actually i believe we've taken the commandments of God as multiple choice but he he gets over into stuff right here that that i got to get a hold of and so what he begins to do when he begins to say this it's a form of him repenting daniel understood the key was we've got to repent from our sins and turn from our wicked ways. Verse 6. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, to our fathers, or our ancestors, and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face it is this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all of Israel to those near those who far off in all countries to which you have driven them. Now watch this. Because of the unfaithfulness in which they have committed against you. So he identifies something. They become unfaithful to God. One translation for that says we become very casual to the things of God. Again, this was never God's heart for us. He doesn't want us to be unfaithful to Him. Verse 8. O Lord, to us belong shame of face to our kings, our princes, and our fathers or our forefathers, because we have sinned against you. Now, it's interesting here. This righteous man named Daniel, he says, because we've sinned against you. He calls sin what it is. See, we live in a society now that says, Don't don't call us sinners, okay? We want everybody to feel good about themselves. We want everybody to leave here with everything good. But yet, this man calls sin what it is. And so when we begin to deal with sin in our life, it may feel like it's very uncomfortable. It may feel like it's very difficult. And it also may challenge you to change, but the end result is freedom and the blessings of God. Now, when I speak from this right here, I speak from a man's perspective that has had sin and iniquities in his life, okay? And so if we don't learn to deal with these things biblically, I do you no bit of good today. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk or to live in His laws, which He set before us by His servants, the prophets. Yes, all of Israel has transgressed your laws and has departed so as not to obey your voice. And you want to see the result? Therefore, the curse and the oath of the written law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against Him. So guess what He tells us? Because of sin, it's brought a curse. If you were here a week ago, Proverbs twenty-six two says a curse cannot come without a cause. So now, through this man of God, he defines the problem with the curse is related to sin. And so when I begin to look at this, I think, okay, he just quoted Deuteronomy 28. If we were to look at Deuteronomy 28... The first part says there's a blessing to those who obey. And the last part of Deuteronomy 28 says there's a curse to those who disobey. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, he says, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. That both you and your descendants may live. So the very choices that I make today, whether a blessing or a curse, not only impacts me, it impacts my future generations and descendants. Not an easy pill to swallow, is it? So I say that to say this, your choices not only directly affect you, They directly affect your children. Verse 13. As it is written, the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we may turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. He just tells us the curse breaker right there. Repent and turn from our iniquities and understand the truth. To understand the truth is to learn to live by the truth. That pertains to every one of us in this room. I don't care how young you are, how old you are, how smart you are, or how unsmart you are. That's the opposite of stupid. I'm trying to be politically correct, okay? The Word of God will work when I obey it. Keep reading. Verse number 14. Therefore the Lord has kept his disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he does though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Now watch this. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach, Or an embarrassment to all those around us. So now he begins to clarify again. Our sins and our iniquities. Now through the last few weeks we found out. That God always looks for just one in the family bloodline. That will stand up to sin. And repent not only of my sins. But the sins of my fathers. Now every one of us in this room. We have certain iniquities that are tied to our families. You can probably begin to identify them. So I'm going to show you a, a video here today. Of Stacy and Warren Havens right here in our church. Some things that they dealt with at a young age. Now watch this video. This will help you.
1: Hi, we're Warren and Stacy Havens. And, um. We've been married for a little over 30 years, coming up on 31, Mm -hmm. and uh, we have nine kids, and um, Pastor's been doing this great series on uh, breaking generational curses, and and I just wanted to let people know that when I was uh, a teenager, I heard a very similar teaching, and the Lord really... uh, just put it on my heart. And that if I was going to be a successful husband and a, a successful father, that I was going to have to break some generational curses that had been handed down to me from my parents. So I got before the Lord and and I confessed and repented of things like marital unfaithfulness and abandonment and lying and divorce. And, and I asked the Lord to pour in His grace and His mercy in those areas in my life. And, And I ask him to please help me not to bring those into my future marriage or my future role as a father. And I ask him to please help me to be the best father and the best husband that I could possibly be. And honestly, I hadn't had a great role model at at that at all.
2: You know, and as we've gone through the the hand-me-down series um, the past month or so, I have just been overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude because um, I've thought about that over 30 years ago that you sat under this same type of teaching and made a decision um, to not allow the things that had been in our bloodline, been in your bloodline, to affect our children, to affect our marriage, and the Lord has been so incredibly good, um, so incredibly good. You know, me as your wife, our children, our daughters in law, our grandbabies are living in the goodness of the Lord and living blessed because of the blood of Jesus and because you made a choice years ago to choose life. And I, I was sitting in service last Sunday and I I just was so aware of the fact that there were people in our congregation that we're making that same decision, that those generational curses, those things that had been in their bloodline that do not glorify God, that hurt their families, their wives, their children, their husbands, that they were saying no more. And I I just, I could almost see 30 years down the road that people in our congregation will have the same story that we have. That He's been so good, and His grace and His mercy has changed a whole generation. I mean, you we both come from a, a long line of, of divorce and, and unfaithfulness, and God has just, His blood has completely changed our life story.
1: I just want to challenge you guys to really listen and take to heart the things that are being taught here. And to, with faith, get before the Lord and pray and break these generational curses. It, it'll be something that will not only change your life, but the life of your spouse and for generations to come. Ooh.
0: So with me, people that come become the heroes of my life are, are the Warrens and the Stacy Havens. Because every one of us in here are dealt with something. Some of you have been dealt really, really bad hands of life. And again, I, I hear the testimony of Warren and Stacy, and they could have very easily looked at it and blown it off and said, Pfft. but yet here is a man and woman who said, I don't want that for my own life, and I sure don't want to pass that down to my children. And so, did you catch what he said? They repented, and they begin to turn to the things of God. So again, that's the same for every one of us in here. That's why it's so important that you get a hold of this at a young age. And even if you're old, you define your age, okay? I'm not saying you're old. You define that. I don't want to say you're 16, you're old. Again, life never stops. But if I don't learn to deal with those things. So in, in my own life, I'm, I'm a product of some generational blessings. And some generational curses. I didn't know this until I got older. That my father had been abandoned. That his father ran out on him at a young age. Young. In the little town in Oklahoma that he lived in, there was only about 20 streets. And one time he made the comment and said, I've lived on every street in this city. And my thought was, wow, he moved an awful lot. Well, you know why they moved a lot? Because they kept getting evicted because of the abandonment of his father. But I had a father who stepped up and he said, I don't want to live that way, and I sure don't want my children to live that way. And so when, when I hear Warren and Stacy's testimony about this, this rises up in me and the Lord said, you ought to be a lot more appreciative than you are, because it would have been very easy for you to bend in that direction. On Friday, a guy comes to the office, and it's, it's apparent just the smell of alcohol, and I, I can tell the drugs that are in his life. And my heart begins to go out. That I, I look at this guy, and I, I realize he's at a place of abandonment in his life, He he has no father figure, he has no home, he has nothing in his life. And so it's very easy to become very judgmental and critical and look and say, what's wrong with you? And the Lord at times will really put his compassion on me and let me see people through his eyes. And the Lord said he's a product of abandonment. He's never had anyone to believe in him. And so he looks at me with tears coming down his face. And he said, Pastor, the only way I can get free from the drugs, the alcohol, is I've got to go to jail. I'm turning myself in. And it broke my heart. Even though I realized in that situation in his life, he said, I've got to be locked up or I'm going to run crazy. And so, for two days, and after hearing Warren and Stacy's testimony of abandonment, the Lord said, This has become the norm in our society that we have so many that are products of abandonment. And so the way that abandonment begins to work, it begins to change your identity that you begin to believe a lie, and the lie is this, a form of rejection. What's wrong with me? No one wants me. No one would miss me if I'm even gone. No one cares. I I, I don't mean this in any way to embarrass you. But if that's you, if you feel that way right now, I want you to stand up. I'm not here to embarrass you. Stand up. Go ahead. Just be bold. I know there's more of you than that. Yeah, just keep standing up. And again, I'm not here to embarrass I'm here to watch God set you free. I believe our God will set you free. You say, dang, Pastor, where are you going on a Sunday morning? Well, we're going to have church. I want you to look around at people that are standing right now. People that we come to church with on a weekly basis. And again, I, I, I see Kevin here, and I see Kevin every week. But if I'm not careful, I can go through him and say, praise the Lord, it's good to have you today. When in the reality, I don't know what's inside his heart. And I see these ones standing up, and guess what? If we, the church... Don't surround them with the things of God. Then we lose a generation. And I've been told all year, God does not want to lose a generation. Now, I know there's a bunch of people in there that love others. And you believe in Jesus. And we sing about Jesus in the name of Jesus. We can sing about Jesus all day, but unless we release Jesus to do what he came to do, nobody leaves different, okay? So what would happen if we just become biblical right now? And I don't care if you get up and go hug them, go put your hands on them. I want us all to pray right now, and let's just believe God, okay? Reach your hands out. You say, I've never been in a church service like this. Well, welcome to the NFL. Father God, we pray for those ones right now, young men and young women, Lord, that have felt abandoned and rejected. Lord, we pray your strength on them, and right now, just through the love of God, we ask, Father God, in Jesus' name, that these lies and these strongholds be broken. And Lord, we speak over them right now. We say, you are who God says you are. You're a child of His. And Lord, we pray your blessing on them right now. And we thank you, Father God, that as we leave here today, these ones that are needing help, they're different from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just tell you something, okay? I, I don't plan to do these things. The Holy Spirit just began. Did you do that in the first service? No. But again, I, I believe God wants to touch hearts here. And we can't keep avoiding this stuff and acting like things aren't happening. So again, I, I ask you, ones who pray for these ones, check on them. How are you doing? How's your heart today? I want to pray for you, okay? Listen, don't ever be ashamed around here to come to these people and pray during the service. They'll pray with you. We believe God with you. Now, by doing that, it has shredded my sermon notes completely, (laughs) which I'm good with. I would rather the Holy Spirit move than you get to hear my brilliance, which I know isn't a whole lot to many of you. Turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. and God will be good to get me to a place here that he wants you to hear some things. So again, just get before God and confess your sins. Father God, I've sinned. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are times God will, will specifically want you to say what it is. Father God, I've sinned and I've sinned. And then something happens when I begin to confess the sins of my father, my iniquities. The reason that's so important, because those sins have never been repented of and turned of. So you become the one who breaks that just because your response to God. God said that that, that we repent for the iniquities of our fathers. So when I actually obey that, something begins to happen. I encourage you, there's times in your life you really, really, really need to get away with God and begin to ask God to identify certain things in your bloodline. One of the things that blessed me with Warren and Stacy is they realized when they got married, they both brought some stuff into the marriage. This may be a revelation knowledge to some of you today. If you're married, that person you're married to brought some things in there. I thought she was an angel. Well, kinda. <laughs> so again, I, I, me, me and Shelly become very transparent in that, where we've sat down and we said, "Lord, show us things, sort of things." So the Lord will begin to bring thoughts back to you. I'm on the the phone Friday with my brother, and I said to him, "I said, hey, dude, listen to this. I said I got another generational curse the Lord told me about in our bloodline." He said, "Let's hear it." I told him what I told you guys last week, but I didn't tell you the the complete story. The Lord through prayer said to me that day, He said, You've had family members that have used my my name in vain over and over and over. And so as I began to pray about it, it seemed like that when I had family members in my bloodline, every sentence they would use, they would tag it and blank God or God blank or blankety blank. I realized that it, It became just a figure of speech to them. It would just jump out of them. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, because of the way your family members damn my name, the very blessings and the very desires and the visions that I had for your family, they've been damned up. But he said, if you'll repent of those and begin to call out to me, he said, I'll tear that damn down. And those blessings that I tended to flow, they'll start flowing. Now, here's the deal. You can blow that off. You can say, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I did. I rejoiced in the opportunity to begin to repent. I believe God's doing something. I believe He's beginning to work. And so, again, you're going to have to come together in a marriage relationship. Let me, let me give you ones who aren't married a little thought. You better figure out who you're marrying, Okay. Just because they may look like Pastor Stormy, smiling, styling, and profiling. Yeah. Woohoo, I thought I'd get some amenity. Look at that. There's some stuff in this heart. Now, I'm not saying don't marry him. But you better understand when you go into this, you're getting more than just some looks, okay? Even if you're a young married right, now, I encourage you... Be like Warren and Stacey. I'd go to them and I would pick their brain with everything they did with the things of God. And then I'd begin to stand and say, Woo, we're going to go into marriage. How, how many of you in here that are married wish you'd have known this 40 years ago? Well, some of you aren't even 40. 20 years ago. I'm telling you, this stuff sets me free. So here's the key right here. Another key. Romans 8, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly, certainly not. So the grace that he's talking about here doesn't encourage us to sin or does not permit us to sin. This grace that he's talking about is the God empowering that helps me to keep me from sinning. So something begins to happen when I repent of my sins. And then I say this in my prayer. Father God, I ask you to grace me. Grace me to live godly. Grace my eyes. Grace my ears. Grace my heart. Grace my tongue, Lord. Grace me to live for you. Verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey... You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So a person is a slave to that which he gives his obedience to. So if you obey sin, and sin is your master and your reward is a death-like existence. But if you choose to obey God, the gift is righteousness. And he puts this on our plate. Now again, he tells us this stuff of obedience, but here's the truth, and every one of us in here know this. If I could obey the commandments of God out of my own ability, I would have already done that. I can't. But something happens when I begin to say, Father God, I ask for your grace. Your grace to help me to live godly in an ungodly world. I ask for your grace to help me be a a man of integrity. Keep reading. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you used to be, yet you obeyed, you answered, you responded, you submitted without reservation from the heart that form of doctrine or that form of the Word of God which were delivered. The word delivered means you were set free. So you know what he just told us? Through His grace, He's going to help you obey. He's going to help you walk it out. And isn't it a wonderful thought there that says, and because of obeying the Word of God, the byproduct of obeying the Word of God, I'm going to get delivered. I'm going to get set free. And so something happens when I begin to get a hold of the Word of God and I do what God says. I said, Oh Lord, grace me to obey. Not, not that I have to obey because God's a mean God. God, God wants to get you in the headlock and says, Obey. No, I come to God and I say, Lord, I want to obey you. I want. How many of you want to? Well, I better be careful. I was going to say, How many of you want to obey your parents? You do. You want to do that. You know why you want to obey your parents? Because Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 tells you to. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2 says, Children, now listen. Children, obey your mother and father. Children, obey your mother and father, which is the first commandment with promise that it will be well with you and long life on this earth. There's a blessing for obeying your mother and father. You may think they're old school, they're outdated, they're older than dirt. But God gave you parents to be your parents, not to be your best friend. And who the Lord loves, He corrects. And so parents, correct your children. Well, my dad doesn't let me stay out past 10. Well, bless your daddy, he's a wise man. And you would be wise if you listen. My parents are stupid. They don't know. It's like the guy who said, when I was 14, I thought my dad was the dumbest person in the world. When I became 21, I realized he's the smartest person in the world. Listen to him, okay? See, this is the same thing with the things of God. When I obey God, God's going to bless me. Verse 18. And having been set free from sin, look at that, that's past tense. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. So we are saved by grace. So the same grace that allows me to experience eternal salvation in heaven is the same grace that empowers me. To not live in sin. So here's what's going to happen. In this life, you're either going to rule or you're going to be ruled. And it becomes your choice. So i got to gravitate toward the things of God. will not you stand up here? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubick.com.